You're listening to Amphibicast. This week's episode of Amphibicast is sponsored by the Active Conservation Alliance. The Active Conservation Alliance is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization promoting ecosystem conservation and restoration, the sustainable use and the welfare for wildlife and human communities living in balance. With a special focus on dart frogs, many of the Alliance's efforts work towards the conservation and reintroduction of wild dendrobatids into their natural habitat. To get involved and to donate, please visit activeconservationalliance.org or follow the links in the show description. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining me again. You're listening to Amphibicast. I'm your host, Andrew Bates, and this week I have a return guest. I have Jack Small. Uh, if you may remember Jack from a few months ago, he was one of the organizers for American Frog Day 2022, uh, which happened in uh, uh, October. If you're catching up on the show now, yeah, it was definitely a while ago. And uh, Jack's going to talk to us about maybe some of the takeaways, um, well, the wrap-up and aftermath of how Frog Day went. And uh, he also had a very interesting trip to Columbia where he got to observe all sorts of different stuff. And we're going to just kind of talk about his trip. He's going to kind of walk us through the story of what he saw and whatnot. And, um, you know, a couple other things, whatever else comes up. But um, before that, of course, uh, the usual stuff. Uh, I want to thank everybody for, like, like really, like, hard-hitting, like, the nice reviews on Spotify. I've been sp- following Spotify more so than the the uh, Apple Podcast. And uh, if you leave a nice review on Spotify, five-star, I, I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. And, of course, the other podcast uh, platforms, um, thanks, everybody, for that support, too. And, uh, of course, the usual stuff, um, if you want to get a 10% discount off of an in-situ ecosystems vivarium, follow the link in the link tree you make a purchase you'll get 10 percent off your off off your uh, vivarium purchase through there and you'll also find a link to the merch shop and um, i just want <clears throat> to just bring it out to everyone's attention real quick um recently i mean a couple of weeks ago i did have uh, someone reach out um if you're having uh, any issues with like shipping updates or anything like that from the merch store you would have to reach out to teespring directly they have a customer service issue whatnot um, reach out to the contact information through Teespring because I don't have any input on the shipping or anything like that. So, um, so far I've heard good things. Everybody seems to be happy, but in the event that you do have a problem, uh, reach out to them directly and they should be able to get to you, you know, d- deal with you as quickly as possible. And, uh, other than that, I think, uh, I think we're ready to go. Jack, how are you doing? Uh, it's good to have you back on. Yeah. Thanks man. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm, I'm doing I'm, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing, it's been a rough couple of weeks, but. All right. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, um, well, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, that's okay. I'm just, yeah. Well, hopefully things start to, you know, turn back around for you and hopefully we have a good chat tonight. I'm excited to, to chat and be back on the podcast. Yeah, so yeah. for yeah, sure. It's been a rough couple of weeks, but, um, I mean, if anybody's wondering, it's, it's, it's nothing's catastrophic. I just, um. Uh, my kids have been sick for a while and just dealing with that and the usual hassles of, uh, you know, ha- having, having sick kids for a long time can be, you know, oh, yeah. a little bit much. I want them oh, to get for better. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, other than that, everything, everything's not that bad. So, um, Jack, I want to backtrack a little bit and, um, I had you on before we did American Frog Day or not we, you did American yeah. Frog Day, I should say. I, I didn't <laughs> do it. And, um, we talked about what some of the plans were and what, you know, what the, um, that projected, you know, like how many people you were expecting, who was going to be there, what the speakers were going to be, whatnot. And unfortunately, I didn't get to attend. It's, it's in Chicago, which is a bit out of my um, my five mile radius that I travel from my yeah. house. <laughs> so I, I couldn't I couldn't make it. I, I want I wanted to, uh, but um, unfortunately, it just wasn't going to happen. But um, why don't you tell us about how that went? Like, what were some of the the key takeaways? Maybe some things that uh, 
um, you know, maybe things that happened that you didn't expect or any surprises or um, like what, what, what happened? Give us an idea of, um, of how it went. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it went really well. I was really happy with it. And I think the general consensus was that um, other people were super happy with it as well. So I was really, really glad to hear that. Um, talked to all the vendors and other people who went and stuff. And it seemed like everybody had a great time and the vendors did well and everything. So, so that was a relief. Um, and I think, yeah, the attendance was good. Um, lots of people showed up. It was fun to meet a lot of new people. Um, a lot of new, uh, there were a bunch of vendors that got to come in that I had never met before. Like Alex Menke was there. So that was cool. Um, some other people from out of state and everything. So yeah, it went really well. Um, I don't think there was anything, thankfully, that came up that was much of a surprise. I think everything went pretty much to plan, so that was cool. Um, the room we had, though, was, it was massive. It was a really nice big room, so that was actually a little surprising, but a good surprise, so that was cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, overall, I was really happy with it. I think we had about 200 people through the door, um, and I was shooting for, like, at least 150, so that was cool. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was a success. It was it was really good. Did you find that the like, attendance was mostly like really like hardcore frog people? Or did you get some some new people or people who might this might have been like their first foray into this uh, this hobby? Yeah, I think it was actually a bit of a mix. Um, there are definitely lots of hardcore frog people, lots of you know normal froggers there, people you you know names you'd see online and stuff. Um, so that was fun to meet a bunch of people, and then there were lots of. Um, just people who had seen flyers or whatever and just showed up because they're like, oh, that sounds cool. So that was fun. Um, and then some people who were just kind of like casually in the hobby, like getting into it a little bit, like you're saying, um, who didn't know a ton. And But, you know, it was a frog event, so they thought they'd go, that kind of thing. But, yeah, it seemed like there was there was quite a range of people. So that was fun. What was some of like the, the big sellers? Like, um, I think, I, I don't remember, it was a while since I spoke to Alex about it, but... I think he told me he like sold out of like Pomilio like on um, like within like first couple of hours. Or yeah, something. yeah. He was telling me he sold. Um, he had a really nice pair of bullseyes. I remember. Um, and he sold those, so that was cool. And then yeah, he sold a he sold a bunch of frogs. So I think he did really well. So that was cool because I know that was a really long trip for him. So um, happy about that for him. But uh, yeah, he had some really nice frogs, and uh, I went over like as you know he was setting up and stuff and saw his all this stuff and a lot of it was gone by the end of the day. So, um, yeah, that was super cool. Uh, and then glass box was there. Um, Mike had some great plants as always. Um, Jared Ruffing was there with all his awesome ransom. Air he's got Mike Novi was there with his frogs. Um, I'm trying to think who else was there. It feels like forever ago, but, um, yeah, it was. And then of course, Chris was there with, um, his setup. He, he didn't bring as much. He's got a massive collection of a bunch of really nice frogs. Um, but he was super busy, I think. So he didn't bring as much, but, um, he had some really nice frogs as well. And, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was cool. We had a good, um, diversity of people selling frogs and plants and supplies and everything. So it was kind of like show up and you could get almost everything you need to, you know, set up a new tank and stuff, which was cool. Any ideas on what's going to happen, uh, next fall? Yeah, actually, I believe the rumor is it's going to be in Texas. Um, I, I'm not going to be hosting it again. Um, I'm willing to help, of course, if, you know, I was telling the guy who I think is doing it, um, told me if he needs any help, you know, reach out. I won't say who it is. I just, I don't know if it's public yet or not, but I think the rumor is it's in Texas. So Texas people get ready. Cause yeah, it's going to be down there. I think so. 
That's cool. Yeah. That's like twice as far from me as yeah. <laughs> Chicago. Yeah. I, I'm going to try to make it. Um, I've actually never been to Texas and there's, I know there's, um, what's cool about frog day is that, you know, you get people from different areas sometimes, you know, like I went to a New York one. Um, but it's like a lot of the people from that region will go to it, you know, cause it's worth it. If you, you know, you're a couple hours away or whatever you'll drive and, you know, so, and it's obviously a frog thing. So all the froggers are around. So if you go to those, it's fun to meet all the people from like that area. And I don't know, I don't think I've ever met any of the, um, frogger people down in Texas. So that'd be fun if I can make it down, you know, meet a bunch of them and be fun. So I'm going to try to make it for sure. Yeah. Texas definitely brings the ruckus. There's, 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 yeah. some, great, there's some great people down there in Texas. It's funny. Cause yeah, certain, there's, yeah. Like certain, yeah, certain states, certain states, like, like Ohio is huge. I mean, there's, there's yeah. like, there's, you know, people here in New York. I was, ta- I was talking to, um, you know, one of the New York frog people earlier today, we were just messaging about something. But it's amazing how these like these like pockets in the country where there's just like huge like populations like like Texas and Ohio yeah. and New York and um I don't know that's only three. All right, I got to get off yeah. the topic. I'm I'm burying <laughs> myself. Um, yeah, no worries. But yeah, yeah that'll be cool sure. though. That'll be cool though. Yeah, yeah, definitely for sure. Yeah, I think um that'd be a great place to have it because yeah, there's I don't think it's been there in a long time. Um, and then yeah, there's a there's a ton of people down in Texas like frog people so. I think that'd be a, a definitely a good show. So looking forward to that one. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to attending without having to, you know, do all the organization and everything. I can, <laughs> you know, go enjoy and chat a little bit more and everything. But uh, yeah, so that'll be fun. Yeah. I mean, what was it like being the organizer? Because I mean, I mean, whenever you organize anything, regardless of whether it's, whether it's a, you know, a birthday for your birthday party for your kid or it's a wedding or whatever, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I mean, how, how did you oh, manage yeah just kind of hanging out at the show versus being responsible for everything that went on. Yeah, that was, it was definitely different. Um, that was my first time doing anything like that. Um, and so, you know, obviously like you said, yeah, stressful having to make sure everything's going smoothly and everything. Um, so I didn't get to chat and walk around as much as I, you know, would have obviously at just a normal show or at a different frog day or something. Um, just cause I had to stay on top of everything. I was actually selling, I had my own table going too with some stuff. Um, I had two friends helping me though, uh, with stuff. So that was nice of them, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty smooth. Like I said, um, nothing really came up where it was like causing any issues or anything, no surprises that caused any problems. So, um, but yeah, it was definitely, I was pretty busy. I was exhausted (laughs) the, uh, the day after, after, you know, after everything happened, it was all done and everything. It was just all right. <laughs> like it went well. Cause I was definitely a little anxious. I wanted to make sure it went well and everything. And I know people were really looking forward to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was definitely a lot of work, but it was worth it. I'm, I think everybody had a great time. I had a great time. And so it was, uh, it was a good event. I was happy with it. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad it was a success. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. So, uh, I mean, uh, a while back you had messaged me where we were talking a little bit, um, you you went to Columbia recently, right? Which is I did. Yeah, which is I mean, I've actually a couple of people I know on Instagram who've gone to uh, Columbia recently. But why don't nice. you tell us tell us about your trip? How'd you end up down there, and what did you see while you were there? Yeah, for sure, I'd love to talk about it. So, um, unfortunately, I did not get to see any frogs um, in situ when I was down there. Um, it was not safe in the areas where the frogs occur, and so I was not able to see any. Um, in the future, I'll go back and hopefully get to, but this trip was, uh, mostly my time was spent at the Cali zoo down there. 
so um i went down there and did some work with them there uh they've got a really impressive collection of large obligates um they also have some other colombian frogs like terribilis and everything and aratus and tricatus but um their main focus is the large obligates and they've got their their uh lab was very impressive and they've also got some really nice display tanks so um yeah, I did a lot of work down there and hanging out with them and everything. And it was really cool to see their zoo. They had a great facility. And you said you saw a, a release? Yeah. So they're, um, they have, I don't even know how many tanks, but they've got dozens of pairs of large obligates. Um, and, but their main focus is the nominal form of Lamani, which is the red Lamani. And so, they focus all their efforts on breeding them. They pull eggs from their other species um, to raise them artificially, like by hand, as well as they let the pairs raise the froglets as well. And um, then they raise the froglets, of course. And then, yeah, when I was there, I actually got to help pack up and do everything for a release that they were doing. And so while I was down there, um, actually, it was the last day I was there. We packed up and, you know, sent out 28 of their Lamani. I didn't get to go to do the release. But um, yeah, they packed up 28 of their Lamani that they bred at the facility and they released them out into the Anchikaya Valley where the red Lamani actually naturally occur. So they just added to the population in hopes of, you know, getting the numbers back to what they used to be. That's wild. That must've been pretty cool to see. It was, it was really, really cool. What were the, I mean, you said they had nice display tanks. Like I always think about like when you, when you're in a certain country and you set up a display tank, like it's always like awesome. Like where, I mean, native species where I live, like there's a couple of like museums in the neighborhood who have, um, uh, like local, like salt marsh exhibits and they're just like the naturalistic enclosures are just like incredible. I mean, what was it nice. like seeing like, you know, na- like natives, Colombian species, like in a cool display tank? What, what was that like? It was awesome. Um, they use, uh, all native plants and everything. And actually, I actually helped build one of the exhibits that they have. I'm not sure if it's finished yet. We didn't finish it while I was there. Um, but when we were going to, uh, when we were working on it, um, we just walked around the property at the zoo to collect plants to put into it. So that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, their display tanks, uh, I believe they've got four of them on exhibit at the zoo. Um, and these things are big. They've got to be 400 gallons or so, maybe even more. I'm not the best with guessing <laughs> gallons, but, um, something like that. They're big tanks. And, um, They've got Anchikaya on display, uh, Red Lamani, Yellow Lamani. They also have uh, Pangala Histrionica. And um, I believe they have a Bahia Solano too. But um, yeah, and they are just big, bold, beautiful frogs um, that they have. And yeah, they're it's so cool to see them in that size of a tank too. Because in the hobby, you know, even if you have a fairly large tank, you know, they're not, they're typically not that big. So it was cool to see them in, in a vivarium that was set up that big, you know, that's gotta be impressive. Yeah, it really was. I was definitely impressed. Did you see any native plants like down there that you like, I mean, like some of the plant species up here in the U S I'm sure elsewhere in the world are just like really, really highly coveted. Like, um, I mean, I'm not a plant guy. So if you asked me to pick out like a, like a certain location where a plant comes from, I honestly couldn't tell you, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but like, like, did you see any native plants in Colombia that you were like, wow, like this is something I have at home in my tank or this is something I'd like to have? For sure. Um, 
I did. I see. I saw a lot of philodendrons, which was super cool. Um, I also saw some margravias, which was awesome. That was probably my favorite to see. Um, but yeah, philodendrons were the main thing. Uh, there were some really, really cool ones there. And I kept thinking, I don't know plants super, super well. I don't know the plant like market. I know it's been kind of crazy lately anyway, but there were just, I know there's some, you know, like, uh, I think philodendron gloriosum is somewhat expensive maybe, but they just had, they had them as like a, um, at the zoo, you know, you're walking around and what would they have in the U S I don't know, like a big philodendron or something. Um, as a display thing or whatever, but they had like five engine gloriosums just all over and like massive, massive monsteras and all sorts of really cool plants. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that would be so expensive. Like in the U S like people would pay so much money for that. It was kind of crazy, but um, yeah, there were tons and tons of plants everywhere. It was really fun. I, it, it really inspired me to actually learn more about the plants and learn some different species names and stuff. So that way next time I'm down there, I can kind of, you know, appreciate it even more. Yeah, that's one one of the key takeaways I always ask people about. Like whenever they, when everybody goes abroad, it's like I, I mean, frogs are great, but like, what kind of plants did you see there as well? Yeah, like, like for sure. I, I think some of my favorite observations were um, at Mike Novi's trip to Central America. I remember he he caught like um, a couple of different species like basking, and he put a temp gun. It was like ninety five degrees or something like that. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, That's yeah. He, cool. he caught them like basking and this I mean they they hopped away after a you know a few minutes, but yeah. They were they were all like I think it I think it was a pamilio and uh an erratus or a couple of, I don't know, any any kind of combination yeah. there and they were all hanging right. out and basking in this like really, really hot spot. Oh, that's really cool. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, and then somebody nice. who else I'm, oh man, somebody else went down to Costa Rica as well, was telling me something pretty pretty wild. Um I can't remember who it was, so I don't I don't want to get too off topic, but sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that that must have been wild. So, um, yeah, how how did you end up at Zucali? You just you just kind of went down there and, or you knew somebody um, or so yeah. So I was actually invited to go um, kind of help with the husbandry and everything down there, and um, just you know give some pointers and everything, and and to check their facility out and stuff. Um, so. I am friends with a guy who works at uh, the Dallas World Aquarium. And so they do work with Zucali and he was going down there for a trip and he invited me to go with him and, you know, like I said, go to the, their facility and everything. Um, so yeah, that, uh, I forget, sorry, I forget my, lost my train of thought there for a sec. But um, anyway, yeah, he invited me to go down there and it was a really cool trip. It was awesome. That's cool. What else yeah. did you do besides, like, did you do anything like locally? Like, did you get, I know you said that, um, one of the areas really wasn't safe to go into, but like, did you see anything yeah. else like that was, you know, wild or like, what did you see? Yeah. Locally? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was really, it was really cool, dude. I saw, um, we actually did go, um, on a hike into a private little rainforest that on this guy's property. Um, and I saw, yeah, I saw some margravies there, salaginellas there. Um, I think some trialinas, if I'm not mistaken, all sorts of just, oh my gosh, I can't even, <laughs> it was ridiculous dude. just plants everywhere. Um, there were no frogs there, unfortunately. Um, I, the reason they told me was that it was a secondary forest. So it was a forest that had been torn down and that for whatever reason, and then regrew. So I'm sure historically there were, um, dart frogs there, but there weren't any more just because it had re regrown. And so they hadn't come back yet. But um, there we saw scorpions, um, lots of spiders, uh, tons and tons of birds. There was this bird sanctuary we actually visited. Um, 
it was, oh my gosh, I was speechless when we showed up. There were just hummingbirds everywhere, um, forest toucans, birds of literally every single color. It was really, really cool. And then um, parrots flying around. Uh, that was where I saw most of the plants actually too. That was a really cool place. But uh, yeah, unfortunately no dart frogs, but um, I saw a couple other little frogs. I didn't know the species, but uh, yeah, there was plenty of other stuff. So I was a little disappointed to not see any frogs, but definitely made up for it with all the other stuff. So. And where like geograph, geogra uh, um, I'm stuttering too. Uh, <laughs> no geographically, like where, where in, cause Colombia is a pretty big country and there's a lot of different biomes. Like where was, yeah. like, where were you like physically in Colombia, like in relation to like, you know, whatever, whatever like coordinates you could give. Yeah, sure. Or so I, I don't know or whatever. coordinates. Yeah. So I went to Cali, Colombia, which is the third largest city in Colombia. It's, um, kind of, um, like Southwest ish, um, kind of on like the Southern side of Colombia, if I'm not totally mistaken, um, very close to Anchicaya, which is obviously where, or the Anchicaya Valley, which is where the Anchicaya frogs are from. Um, and Lamani are also from there. And, uh, so yeah, it was just unfortunately not safe when I was there. Um, just political stuff. And so couldn't go see the frogs. There was another spot that we were going to try to go to, to see some frogs. Um, and that was also not safe at the time, but due to different reasons, there were mudslides and just bad weather and stuff there. Um, some people had actually just died while we were there from mudslides. So we decided not to go for that reason. Um, so maybe in the future I'll get to, but, uh, yeah, I loved the city though. Cali was really, really cool. Um, the food was fantastic. Um, we were sitting at dinner one night and parrots were flying over our heads. Like it was, it was really cool. Yeah, I just got. I pulled it up on Google Earth. It's it's pretty oh, okay, it's pretty cool. nice place. Yeah, I, my Google Earth is mm -hmm. like my way of living vicariously through yeah. uh, other people's <laughs> travels. Yeah, no, no, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, I can I can see all the all little areas, all the locales and whatnot. Um, what yeah. was it? What was the climate like? Because one of the things that like in captivity, we always aim to do is to try and mimic as closely as possible like whatever climate is going on in the country of origin to our target species. What was, mm -hmm. what was well first of all how how long were you there for so i was there for a week okay. um yeah and the cool thing about cali is that um and one of the reasons that people love it so much is that it stays between basically 65 and 85 degrees year round doesn't really go outside of that range very much so that's like right in that perfect dark frog sweet spot pretty much yeah and sweet spot for me as well <laughs> i really enjoyed the weather there it was nice but um of course you know the temperatures and everything are different like um in forests you know there's little micro climates and everything um but generally yeah it was between yeah 65 and 85 like for that area of the country and what about like anything else like um i mean you're kind of closer to the equator what was, I mean, it gets, you really only getting like close to like 12 hours of daylight, 12 hours of, uh, of darkness, right? I mean, how, how was it like with regard to just the daytime? Yeah, honestly, that's something I didn't pay too much attention to and I should have. Um, but if I recall correctly, I think it probably, yeah, maybe it was about 12 hours. I guess the sun, we were up early some days and it was already bright at, I guess, like, you know, six or so. And I guess the sun did set around. Yeah, maybe maybe seven seven thirty something like that i i may be wrong but yeah it definitely was you know it's not like winter in chicago or anything where it gets dark at 4 p.m or anything like that so yeah it was it was lovely the weather was just so nice and it was a really great place to be 
Yeah, I'm I'm always just curious because I mean up, I mean you're in Colorado, I'm in New York. I mean up, to, you get you know further north, you get really really like long days in the summer and really really short days right. in the winter. So yeah. I, I'm always just curious about how like the yeah, other side sure. of the world that lives in the equator. I mean, not even just frogs and animals, but just like you know just people because right. like it would yeah, it would definitely. kill me if it gets dark out at like six o'clock all year. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. like it's it's been dark out here since like two in the afternoon. Right. But, in, but at least like yeah. in, in June, it get the sun goes down at like 10. So I had that. To look yeah, exactly. To. Oh, I loved that as a kid. That was the best, you know, staying out and playing outside with, you know, until it got to like nine, 10 at night, it was still light out. Yeah. That's always nice for yeah. sure. Yeah. I yeah. just, I think that's one of those things that people often forget is like when you're doing that 12 hour on 12 hour off life, uh, you know, the day night cycle, which I think, I think most people do it. Yeah. Is that, that's, that actually very, very closely replicates what most, you know, not all the year, but a substantial part of the year is in um, yeah, a lot of sure. countries near the equator. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So what else did you do at, at, at Zoo Cali besides the frogs? Is there any other, like, what else caught your eye while you were there? Yeah, they, um, I was very impressed with their zoo. Um, I grew up going to Brookfield Zoo all the time, if you're familiar with, with that zoo. Um, and it's a fantastic zoo, you know. So I kind of had high, you know, the bar was set kind of high. And uh, I was very impressed. I, they had some really cool animals. Um, it was a lot bigger than I expected too. Um, they had, you know, your classic, the zebras, tigers, lions, you know, that kind of stuff. But, um, then they did have, uh, you know, all the Ufaga, which was really cool to see. Cause that's not very typical of, uh, you know, any zoos in the U S except, um, the Dallas world aquarium though, like I was mentioning before, they actually have all five species of, um, the Colombian large obligates on display. So, um, if you ever get a chance to go down there, I haven't been there yet. Um, I'd really like to sometime soon, but um, I think they're probably one of the only facilities that has uh, all five species of the large obligates. So, um, but anyway, back to, yeah, back to Zoo Cali, they have them as well. So that was cool to see them. Uh, but yeah, if anybody's ever down in Colombia and gets a chance to do that, that's, I would definitely recommend it. It's a, if you're a nature lover at all, it's a really cool zoo. Yeah, I've had the the good fortune to see a lot of good zoos. I when I was younger, nice. I spent a lot of time in Baltimore. We used to go to the Baltimore Aquarium pretty oh, pretty cool. regularly, actually. I mean, they had that great uh, rainforest exhibit on the top, that kind of like glass pyramid, and it was oh, just nice. incredible. I wish I would have. I mean, at the time, I wasn't into frogs, but I wish that, like, you know, I mean, God, this is going back like thirty years when I was like ten years oh, old. Yeah. But I, <laughs> nice. I wish I would have paid better attention because so much of the. Uh, like the foundation of what happened in the dart frog hobby started the Baltimore Aquarium. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. I've never been there. I haven't been to very many zoos or aquariums. Um, just mostly the just Brookfield Zoo and the Shedd Aquarium are the two main ones that you know I grew up going to and everything. Um, I've been to the San Diego Zoo, which is super cool. But other than that, I think yeah, those are like the main main ones I've been to. And then of course Cali Zoo. But yeah. So. Yeah, but see, yeah, nice. I, I did go to the. Believe it or not, when I was younger, I actually did travel. Like I had um family out in California. We did go to the San Diego nice. Zoo. This oh, pro- cool. yeah, this yeah. would have been about maybe like probably like nineteen eighty eight or something like that. But okay, it was cool. at the time. It was it was pretty incredible. Um, nice. What you know? What let me let me ask you a question. I know you yeah you said sure. you haven't seen that many zoos per se, but um, like what do you, like, what do you think on a personal level? Like what do you think? equals a good zoo like what if you if you're going to go into a zoo like what do you think that you should expect the experience to involve that's a good question um i think when it comes to the perspective and like point of view and everything um from the visitors 
uh, and like having a good experience and having fun, obviously cool animals. I think, you know, that's the number one thing. Um, I'd say good visibility of everything, um, clean, you know, making sure it, you're walking around and not feeling like it's gross or anything like that. You know, a bunch of animals around that could get messy easily, <laughs> you know, so, um, keeping it clean and everything, uh, just, yeah, uh, overall, like viewing of the animals and cool habitats and stuff um i'd say those are the top priorities but then also of course um from the perspective of the like the animals and everything if the habitats are adequate sizes um if they've got you know enough things for enrichment uh if the care looks like you know it looks like if they're being taken care of well and everything um and i can say yeah all of those things were true about zoo cali so that was really cool I often wonder about, uh, you know, like the last zoo you mentioned having like all, um, was it all, which, which zoo had all, you said it was all five species of large obligate? Yeah. Which zoo was that? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, that's the Dallas World Aquarium. Dallas World Aquarium. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. slipped my mind for a second. Yeah, no worries. Sorry. <laughs> I, I often wonder, I mean, I, I, people out there listening, I mean, we're all kind of like obviously really, really into the whole frog world. I wonder what the gen sure. like the general admission, you know, people coming in make of that if they even fully appreciate how awesome that is because I feel, I feel like it's very easy to yeah. go into a zoo as a, you know, as a civilian or whatever you want to call people who aren't really like in this in this frog world and just see a bunch of azurus and aratus and think wow, that's amazing. Whereas we'll walk yeah. in and we'll <laughs> see you know, five species of large obligate that maybe we never thought we'd see in our entire lives all together in right, one yeah, place. Exactly. I mean, it's gotta be pretty amazing. I just, I don't know. I often wonder if like the average person is, you know, yeah, appreciate for sure. That. I mean, I've, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think obviously Azurius are like one of the coolest dart frogs. Just, you know, I feel like that's just a fact, you know, like a blue frog. That's amazing. So people are going to get a kick out of seeing that probably that'll probably be like one of the most enjoyable frogs to see. But one of the cool things about seeing um, the large obligates is, yeah, of course, for people who are more into it, um, that's something that they maybe wouldn't get a chance to see otherwise. Um, and then also one of the reasons that they have them and stuff down there and on display and everything is just for, um, it's for education and just like awareness. Because like you're saying, many people probably wouldn't even really know how big of a deal that is. But if they go to the, if they go to the you know, aquarium and they see those frogs, then they can actually learn like, oh, wow, this is a very special, amazing thing that I'm seeing right now, you know? Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah. And I feel like... So that's a big part of their... Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt you. Yeah, I feel like that's that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with, um, you know, any good zoo is going to have some sort of conservation. I mean, even if it's on a very small scale, even a small... Because a lot of people give, like, smaller establishments a lot of crap, and some of them are still pretty right. deeply involved in, in, in conservation and have good intentions, you know, just cause you're not a, a huge yeah. place doesn't mean, you know, Hey, look, not everybody has, you know, millions and millions of dollars to throw around, but you know, there's a For lot sure. of smaller places and, that are doing pretty good too. Yeah, definitely. And also, I mean, you know, people have different opinions on zoos and everything and we don't have to get too much into that, but I will say one thing that's great about zoos is regardless of the size, it's still spreading awareness and getting people interested in animals and letting them see animals. You know what I mean? And just getting that in their heads. So it's great. Just regardless of the size, like I said, it's still, you know, making people aware of them. So that's always a plus. 
Yeah, I agree with that. For conservation, at least. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that, like, I mean, again, this is, you know, just, just my personal opinion. I, I, I agree with you. I think that people have, the world is getting smaller, and I feel like people have lost an intimate appreciation and love for living things that, I mean, when I was a, like, when I was a kid, I only saw these things in books. You know, I, I had an animal encyclopedia right. from like 1986 that I memorized from cover to cover. And there were, there were, oh, illustra- nice. yeah, there were illustrations of frogs on there. And I thought I was like, never in my wildest yeah. dreams am I ever going to see? It? I still had the book. And, um, oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. so cool, man. I just, I feel like with, I feel like seeing is believing. And if you really want to impart a sense of just, wonder and appreciation i feel like nothing beats seeing a living thing in person watching it like you know watching it do whatever it Definitely. does like when i go to a zoo for sure like i'll when i go to zoos honestly i, I spend a lot of time watching people because it the way people behave in zoos yeah. fascinates <laughs> me but yeah i like to just sure. like i like to just like you know park myself right in front of an exhibit and just sit there and watch it for 15 minutes 20 minutes whatever just to see what happens you know i don't like to just kind of walk up look for like three seconds and then move on i don't know right I right just, i just feel like it they have so much potential to really inspire people you know and even if you inspire you know definitely like some 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 kid or whatever is going to grow up and it's going to be i don't know all right i'll stop <laughs> my, no my, worries my yeah no rant. worries man i yeah i totally i totally agree you know that's where i um that's how i got into frogs we we may have actually talked about that last time i was on the podcast but um I saw them at a zoo when I was a kid. It was actually at Brookfield. I saw them and I was like, these are amazing. Went home, realized you could have them as, you know, people that you could keep them. And then, yeah, <laughs> that's how it started. So yeah, for sure. And that's how I got into all this stuff. And then, um, but yeah, for sure. Zoos definitely can, can do that. I agree with you. And here in the, here in the U S um, you know, the, the AZA is kind of the self governing body that determines, um, you know, they, they accredit zoos and whatnot, and they kind of determine, you know, basically how zoos are run on a, you know, on a, on a professional yeah. and an ethical level and whatnot. Um, do they have anything like that? Like, like outside of Columbia, is there like an, like an AZA equivalent in Columbia or it's just, um, you know, the zoos are kind of independent in terms of what they do? That's a good question. And I actually have no idea. <laughs> so, um, I'm not really sure about that, but, um, that'd be interesting. I should look into that. Um, but, uh, yeah don't know yeah i was just i was just curious you know i mean that's that's yeah, not like sure. yeah that, that doesn't now. make or break an establishment i was just just curious if for that's sure what yeah they do. yeah for sure i mean what what did you take away from your trip to columbia that you could translate into your own husbandry at home like obviously you're going to go into situation situation like this um even though you didn't see wild frogs you but you saw you know wild frogs in, in a captive setting in their native country like, what were some things, like, did you pick anybody's brain and come home and say, all right, I want to do things uh, differently now? Yeah, um, so their, like I said, their um, amphibian facility that I, they, I got to go and check out all their, you know, the behind the scenes kind of stuff with their, um, all their dart frogs. And uh, their facility was very impressive. They have, they are all, I think they were all custom made tanks um, and just big nice displays like they weren't even you know they're breeder tanks you know i guess you could say because that's the main reason and just making sure the frogs are happy they're by no means like 
flashy or anything like no expensive nice plants or anything but they were really nice looking tanks um and they also had you know the stuff that we've have started doing somewhat recently you know in the last several years in the hobby like clay supplements um pvc kind of for or like pvc tubes for laying eggs and stuff um and that's something that they recently implemented and they yeah they had some very impressive setups so um i wouldn't i don't know if there was anything so much that's not to sound like obviously i don't know everything this is not what i mean to say but i don't know if there was anything that i really took away from it that i didn't already know and something that i don't already um implement you know with my own frogs but um i definitely was really impressed and gave them um they were asking you know we had a little meeting and everything um they were asking if i had any input on uh things to you know improve with their setups and everything and i really didn't have anything i was i thought they were doing a fantastic job yeah, I feel like the private sector and zoos and conservation, at least with the dark frog world, I mean, I don't know what it's like for other other animals, but it seems like there's yeah. a lot of cooperation. Like, I just, I couldn't picture this happening with uh, other species, like maybe like in, invertebrates, like maybe like tarantulas or something like that. But I feel like the frog world is kind of unique. Like, we're, we're in a kind of a unique position to be able to, you know, ha- have, I mean, honestly, even like the AZA, they're, they're, um, their uh, uh, recommendations for amphibian care is pretty much based on the hobby, and they even openly admit it in their um, yeah in their like their little uh, like uh, introduction the introductory paragraph. Um, I got I got to include this link somewhere, um, but yeah, they openly acknowledge like the value that private hobbyists have, and you know how yeah, how zoos sure. should set up their their enclosures to accommodate amphibians. And it's it's funny is because if you actually look at the enclosures, they're really dart frog specific, even though it says. For for general amphibians, there's a picture of like oh really <laughs> yeah it, it, it's it's I, I gotta I gotta find the link if I can find it I'll send it to you but yeah it's um it's 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 cool. interesting I feel and I think maybe that just had to do with the early days because I feel like I mentioned um, Baltimore Aquarium earlier and uh, I'd, yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to get one of those guys on you know one of those guys That'd be cool. back and you know active back then um, yeah. But um, I feel like there was there was kind of a relationship that started in this community very very early on, and it was you know just translates really well. Yeah, definitely, for sure, for sure. But yeah, their um, their whole facility was really cool and definitely very similar to. It looked like a really cool frog room. Like if you walked into another hobbyist room, you know they had like the racks set up and everything. Um, I posted some photos and videos and everything on Facebook if anybody wants to check it out. Um, little kind of behind the scenes thing of their setup but yeah it just looked like a really impressive frog room it was it was very similar to what you'd expect to see like like a nice hobbyist kind of setup yeah i feel like a lot of us kind of i've just i've seen some pretty amazing private enclosures that i just like and then like you go to the zoo and you're like wow this is this is okay but right yeah this guy sure. this guy on instagram is really because got it. It was the opposite yeah 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 or, or sorry no yeah for sure it was it was you know what what you'd expect to see like i said from like a hobbyist so that was cool because um and they're they're super successful like they do a great job with rearing them and you know breeding them and everything i think they they told me that their death rate is only 10 percent, which is when you're working with large obligates that's incredible <laughs> you know like to you you can expect to lose froglets here and there like it just happens you know they'll morph out with issues or they're just random you know random deaths occur 
and their mortality rate was about 10%, they said, which was really good. So they, they do a fantastic job with everything there and keeping their frogs healthy and, you know, putting in lots of effort and they, the people that they have working there, you can tell they're really, really into it and they, they really care about the frogs. So it was, yeah, I was very impressed. Was there any particular method that they were using with the froglets to help? Uh, like, I mean, I don't know how much you can comment on it, but like, did, like, did they have a supplement routine for the, the, the parents? Did they have like, like, what did they do to get like that high of a success? Yeah. Anything you can share with us? So, yeah, absolutely. No, I, um, I don't think there's really anything that I can't share. So yeah, I'm happy to, um, you know, just share anything that they're doing to advance the hobby and everything. But I think most of what they're doing is pretty much the same. Um, and, uh, for supplements, we brought them some supplements, actually just some repassion calcium plus is what they use. Um, they, their froglet setups are really cool. Um, the room that they're like, their facility is super humid <laughs> and super hot. And so they have just screen, um, they've got like tubs that have kind of egg crate and screen over top and then some leaf litter. And then the tops are screened Cause like I said, you know, humid and everything. Um, and so that's all they do. They feed springtails like we do. And, um, they feed the adults, Heidi, eye and larva, I believe either once or twice a week, they do that as well. So that's a little different, something, you know, they, they do that maybe people would want to, um, try to do themselves, but, uh, really nothing too different than what a typical breeder would do for large obligates. So, yeah. And they're using the, um, the calcium enriched clay, right? They are. Yeah. They started using that, um, I think about a year ago and, um, they really like it. Obviously the frogs really like it. Um, and I think, I don't know, really, I wish I had a better answer for how they get such a, you know, how they're so successful. And I don't know, <laughs> I think, cause they, like I said, they do a lot of stuff, um, just pretty similar. Like there's no special tricks they have or anything. I think it's just, they've got people that really care. They've got people that, um, are working really hard for it and everything and they're just doing a great job but i wish i had some secret like <laughs> you know like some secret thing that they're doing to prevent things from dying or for things to do better but i don't really but they did have really really cool setups and i was very impressed like i've said several times now so oh you're killing me smalls <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wish i wish i had some little like secret thing but yeah. um yeah i don't know it could be um it could be partially from uh, their that they have good genetics. Um, all of their frogs that they have there are from um, confiscated, uh, like smuggling attempts. So anytime that uh, frogs, maybe not anytime, but times that frogs get uh, try to be smuggled and then those those people are caught and then the frogs are seized and you know they don't know what to do with them and so they get sent to Zoo Cali and so that's where all of their frogs are from. Um, so that's pretty cool. And then, so obviously they're all wild caught. Um, and it was really cool actually. So they had mostly red Lamani, but a bunch of other Lamani and Inchkaians this, they also had the Pangala histrionica, which I mentioned before, and that's a frog that we don't have in the hobby. And so I had never seen them in person before. So that was really, really cool. Um, got lots of great photos of them as well. Uh, so that was definitely a treat to see those. Yeah, that must've been pretty cool. Yeah, it definitely was. All their their frogs were just, oh, they were so beautiful. They had really, really nice frogs. I'm sure being, you know, in the country of origin also helps as well. I mean, I'm sure that there's plenty of things that yeah. we, don't, 
we we can't replicate everything in captivity. I'm sure, you know, being right. up out of the tropics and there has to be little subtle cues that, you know, might facilitate breeding just because, I mean, like you mentioned about yeah. the humidity. I mean, is that just ambient humidity that they have? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Um, there was one room that they actually do keep warmer on purpose. Um, and I was in there taking photos um, and everything. And, I, you know, I'm crouching down and holding myself in different positions, trying to get pictures and stuff. And I'd walk out of that room just drenched in sweat. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But um, I definitely agree. I'm sure there's, um, I'm sure it's helpful to be doing it, you know, in areas where they're close to naturally, um, different pressures, different, you know, whatever it is, but I'm sure that helps. Yeah. It's one of those things I always think about is just, you know, you can't, can't recreate everything, but so. Yeah, exactly. For sure. So what are you working on now that you're, now that you're back, like your, your personal projects, what do you have going on? So I'm actually, I'm working on planning another trip back there. <laughs> so, um, uh, to try to go out and actually see some frogs, we're trying to go back, um, when it's a little safer. Uh, so that's on the list for the near future. Um, as far as personal projects for my collection and everything, um, I know we were talking about blue truncatus last time. Uh, they're doing well. I've got lots of froglets, uh, not lots, but several frog froglets from them right now. So that's cool. Um, working on pairing up a couple other large obligate pairs um i think what else nothing too exciting right now just you know just enjoying the hobby been getting lots of doing lots of photos lately so that's always fun i really enjoy that um but uh yeah nothing too nothing too big right now do you have any aspirations for the coming year i mean 2023 is still kind of still kind of fresh do you have anything yeah, pretty fresh yeah for yeah. sure yeah, um, I would definitely like to uh, maybe this year, hopefully, get some Pata Blanca. Uh, those are on the list because I've wanted them for a while. Um, so that's maybe on the list to be able to get some of those would be super cool. Um, trying to think, yeah, uh, nothing too. Sorry, this is so. This sounds so lame, but I don't. I can't think of anything too big right now, other than just you know keep trying to be as successful as I can. Um, you know, making sure all the frogs are healthy, trying new things, I guess, as they come up. But, uh, yeah, maybe, you know what? I do have a note sheet of all my stuff. What are, how about you? What do you have coming up? Are you working on anything, um, or any goals for this year, frog wise? Um, to be honest, my goals are just not to get any more frogs. I, um, I have, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I mean, the thing is like my, my, That's cur- the opposite of what they should be. <laughs> well, my, my current frog room is you know yeah. a substantial part of my basement and um you know i've got okay i've got maybe mixed species remember i don't just keep dart frogs i i have a couple of tree frogs and i have a pixie and a couple of horn frogs in there somewhere as well right um plus the tarantulas oh. and whatnot so i've, I've kind of like pressed for space yeah. I, I guess my goal <clears throat> and, and some of these enclosures have been up and running since like 2016 that's when i kind of really made okay, an effort cool. to like really like i was like that's when i was like all right i'm gonna really make this the room that i want and i the resources that i had at the time i did the best i could um ideally i don't know if this is going to happen this year but i'd like to uh, i'd like to get i'd like to replace my 40 breeders with for an opening enclosure 
you know, whatever, whatever okay, that cool. may be. Yeah. Um, I, right, I had yeah. the way I had, the way I had originally construct my original design. I, I've kind of, I've posted pictures of it on Instagram from time to time. I have, um, four 40 breeders built into kind of like a cabinet and you know what? It would nice. have worked great. Originally when I built it, I had two dart frog tanks on the top and then two aquariums on the bottom. And, um, I was kind of going for like a, you know, um, like a biome where you'd have like dart frogs on the top. And then, I mean, obviously they were, you know, a, okay, fo- cool. a foot above each other, but you, you kind of get the idea. And, um, you know, the aquariums would be at the bottom and just to kind of give like a terrestrial and aquatic kind of vibe to it. Um, but, uh, it, you know, in retrospect, I wasn't happy with the design because it really did. It really isn't user friendly. I mean, I still have an aquarium with an Oscar fish in it, but, um, you know, the other oh, tanks, cool. the glass fogs up. I mean, it's, it's a great, it's, it's perfectly spacious. It looks well, it looks, you know, well planted and whatnot, but. Uh, it's, it's, it's a pain to clean, you know, you got to kind of like stick your arm down in yeah. there and I had to, I had to make custom tops for each one of them. It's like 90, uh, like 80% of the glass, uh, 80% of it's glass. And then I have like a, you know, custom okay. little, little screen that I built. And, um, ideally what I'd like to do would be to kind of just break that down and start over with something that would be a little bit more space conscious. Cause I feel like I went more gotcha. for like the, the, the appeal of the cabinet look, and I kind of yeah. sacrificed valuable space. Like a lot of people are doing the um, the like the the rack mounts with the um, like aluminum tracks and you know the partitions that slide right, yeah. out. And that looks really mm-hmm. nice. I like that. I would like to do something similar to that, but um, I'm not quite sure. You know, it's not it's not really a goal that I have in mind for this year. I, I also had um, you know, I got a I got look, I got. A house, you know, I got a family. I got, I, the, right, the, for sure. the spatial needs change as time goes by. Um, I would like to upgrade some of the animals into larger enclosures. I have, um, I have some individuals that were originally supposed to be, uh, sexed differently. I had acquired a couple of frogs okay. that were supposed to be either sexed pairs or uh, a male. There was, I was trying to pair up a couple of tinctorious with um, males because I have all females. And they ended up being female, uh, like all of them. Oh god! Out, out of my whole collection, oh, yeah. Out of my whole collection, I think I've got maybe, um, exclude. Let, let's just forget the, um, uh, what should we call it? The uh, San Isabels that I know everybody loves when I talk about. Sure. Um, let's yeah. just forget them <laughs> right. because they they like they're like gremlins. Like you get them wet and they just reproduce. Um, I think I've only got, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I've only got, um, all my, all my tanks are females and the phyllobates. Oh, yeah. The phyllobates, the, um, I have, well, one of the bicolors, that's the green leg. There, there's a male in there cause he calls, but his calls weak compared to the, um, the orange blackfoots. I, I have, at oh, least, really? yeah, I have at least one in there. I do have tadpoles growing out in, um, you know, in my little communal enclosure that I do. I, um, I, I just use a small aquarium, you know, aged tap water, some almond leaves, and um, you know, soylent green, and uh, the, the yeah, sponge filter. Awesome. I found the the sponge filter. It just, you know, what it is that water can get so stagnant, and I feel like the sponge filter just it creates yeah. like a little extra surface area from the graze on, and um, it just it just aerates the. They just seem to do well, and um, for sure, they're 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 doing great. They're you know, 
they're doing awesome. very well. Um, I'm not looking to make it a project. I'm not looking to repeat breed them. In fact, I've actually pulled um, subsequent um, subsequent uh, clutches just because I don't have anywhere for them to go. You know what I mean? So it's right. like, yeah, <laughs> like people. Yeah. One of the things that I kind of, and we, I guess everybody's done it. When you start off in the hobby, you want to like go headlong to breeding because you think like, wow, it's going to be fun. I'll be able to sell these frogs. I'll be able to support myself. Right. And I feel like with the exception of certain species, like really like the, the large obligates, you can get a, like, you know, you can get a high price for them. So I feel like that would be kind right. of like, and that would be an investment because that's going to be an investment that's going to return itself. But mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, why am I, you know, why am I going to want to reproduce Azurius when there's so many other people out there selling them? You know what I mean? Like, why am right. I, why yeah. am I, why am I going to, I don't, I don't, I don't have any, the world does not need my collection. You know what I mean? They don't, right. they don't, <laughs> I don't have anything remarkable see, that anybody's yeah, going to want. What yeah. I mean, what about, what about you? Like, would you have any breeding goals coming up or anything that you want to? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, um, my collection ha- is a lot smaller than it used to be. Um, so I'm trying to focus on some of the things that aren't as common, you know, like the blue truncatus, um, things like that, that, you know, where it will have more of an impact on the hobby if more are out there, you know, um, especially the large obligates and everything. But um, not, but speaking of goals, though, I actually did remember, um, I this isn't really my project, but I am helping with this. Um, but the Dallas World Aquarium, I'm bringing them up again. Uh, they're doing some great work with uh, large obligates, of course. And then they're really doing um, like into detail stuff with and projects and data collection on like body condition index and like um, stress levels and things like that um, with these frogs, because really not too much is known about them, honestly. So I'm helping work on collecting data and everything for that to learn a little bit more. And one of the projects that they're actually doing um, is they're trying to develop a kit that can actually let you sex the frogs. Um, it's similar to like a, have you, you've, I'm sure you've done pH tests for, you know, what, like fish tanks and stuff like that, where you dip the water in and it turns color based on how acidic it is or whatever, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, so uh, essentially it'd be something kind of like that where you pour something over the frog and then whatever comes off of it is on like that little piece of paper or whatever and the paper would change color based on, you know, if it's a male or female. So that's a very, very exciting project that they're working on um, that, again, I'm, I'm helping out. It's not my project. I'm helping out with it a little bit though. Um, so that And that would have a huge impact on the hobby. Um, I don't know when it will become a reality or when it's going to be, you know, available to the public or anything like that. But, um, something to, you know, keep in mind and hopefully coming up in the somewhat near future. So that's super exciting. That's amazing. Is there going to be any kind of, I mean, I know you said it's kind of too early to know, but I mean, is there going to be any kind of like, is anyone going to reach like any kind of literature on it? Like, is there going to be a paper out or like, like what's going to, yeah, I believe there's so my friend who's there, um, he's doing the project and I believe he will be doing that kind of stuff. Like I said, yeah, it is, it is pretty early still, but, um, that is something he's working on. Uh, so, and it's mainly for the large obligates cause that's their, their focus and everything. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure there'll be lots of, lots of stuff like that. And, uh, 
I'll be able to, you know, I can keep you updated on it and everything. And I'm sure I'll, I'll post about it and stuff when it becomes, you know, a little more of a reality, but uh, yeah, it'd be super, super cool. Really big for the hobby, you know? So um, yeah, that's super exciting. Yeah. That's, that's huge actually. I mean, you think about definitely, I, I mean, potentially you could, you could test a frog right on the spot. I guess if you're at an expo or something like that, or, It'd take all right. the, take all the guesswork yeah. away. Is that with the For goal sure. of? I mean, obviously, like the large obligates is. I mean, so many species of dwarf frog are not in any kind of danger or whatnot, but the, the large obligates face some pretty unique challenges. Is this kind of like um, done right. to pres- like for preservation purposes? Because it is okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, it is. Yeah, I think it, you know a secondary. Uh, secondary goal, like, is to have it for the hobby and everything. But yeah, it is. It is done. It is being done for as uh, you know for conservation and everything, um, just to be able to make things easier when you're breeding and knowing what kind of offspring, like sex ratios you have, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's a really really cool project, and so I'm excited about that. So we'll see. But it would be really cool to have it in the hobby eventually. Um, I don't know how you know if it's going to be like a hundred bucks a kit or something. So it's like, well, I don't know if it's going to be worth it to do. Um, I, I don't know too much about it, but, uh, yeah, it is mainly, it's going to be like a conservation kind of, kind of thing. Is this something that could be applied to others? Like, I mean, not even dendrobatids, but like species of, of tree frog or, or any, like any other. That's frog. super interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure, but that, um, that would be really, really interesting. It's being designed for, um, large obligates, but I'm sure once the technology's there and you know, it's, it's like completed and stuff, I'm sure it wouldn't be too hard to be able to, you know, trying to transition it and tweak it a little bit to work for other species and stuff. But, um, something I'm really interested in learning more about. So yeah, that's a really interesting point though, for sure. Yeah. You're going to have to let us know. Cause now I'm like, I'm going to obsessively yeah, think about this from now on. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. I never, I never would have even thought of something like that before that would be yeah, within the realm sure. of possibility. And- I know, right? I, when he was telling me about it and introducing it kind of to me and everything, um, I was like, no way. Like, that's that sounds so crazy. So, um, but yeah, they're actually working on some other stuff too. So, um, like I said, like body mass kind of stuff. And uh, there's a weird thing where, you know, large obligates will just kind of drop dead sometimes. Um, and so we're kind of t- collecting data on that, trying to figure out reasons for that happening. Um, also, like egg production stuff with females and the amount of offspring they can raise ways to increase the amount of offspring they can raise things like that so if anybody out there that's listening um is breeding large obligates and would like to help contribute to projects like this we do have a google drive that's set up um and we're looking for data just from you know as much data as we can get on it so if anybody's out there just shoot me a message somewhere and uh we can get you involved we'd love to have the input and how can everybody find you? I mean, obviously you're on Instagram because we're talking on Instagram. Yeah, but... sorry. <laughs> yeah, I should have said that. Yeah, my Instagram, uh, Facebook, just my name, Jack Small. Um, but yeah, Instagram, it's Jack Small Frogs. Those are two of the best ways probably to to reach out to me. Well, Jack, yeah. I, know, I know we're both kind of pressed for time tonight, but is there anything else that you wanted to wrap up with? Well, we've got a f- couple of minutes left. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, yeah, I'd love to say a little more about um, the Lamani project they're doing there at Zoo Cali. Um, because when I was told about Zoo Cali, like I, I found out I was going down there, I had never even heard of it before. I had no idea what they were about, what they were doing. 
and they're really doing some amazing work there. The uh, Lamani release that they did, like I said earlier, yeah, it was 28 individuals that they released while I was there. Um, that was the second release that they did that they've done actually. Um, the first one, I don't remember when the first one was, but um, I think within the last year or so. But and that was the first one ever done. So they're the they've those are the only two releases that have been done so far. And I don't think many people even know about the facility. So I just want to get the word out there a little bit more, um, just so people are you know aware of that happening because it's really cool, really exciting stuff. Um, and I was I'm really fortunate to get gotten to have been a part of it. And uh, yeah, it was it was just super cool. So if people want to learn more about that, um, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, Zoo Cali has social media stuff and everything. I don't think they post too much about the frogs, but I documented a lot of it while I was there. So yeah, if anybody wants to reach out or hear more about it, I'd, I'd love to tell you about it. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more sure. about the, um, the, uh, large obligate. The uh, sexing. Yeah. Kid. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's for sure. Crazy. I am too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am too, for sure. So yeah. If anybody wants to get involved with that and anything, um, yeah, just let me know and we can get you on the, on that shared Google drive kind of thing we've got going. So awesome. Yep. All right, Jack, I want to thank you for taking the time. Um, it's been very, very interesting. And, uh, it's, it's, I always love hearing when people get to travel outside of the U S and, um, I'm sure, you know, my listeners in Europe as well, when we get to get into, uh, get into central and South America where so many species live is, uh, it's pretty amazing, but for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Wishful thinking. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm planning some trips. Hopefully, gonna make them happen this year. So I guess those those could be goals. Yeah, this year, trying to actually see some dart frogs in the wild. So would yeah. be super cool. I did go to Puerto Rico once, believe it or not. I was like 12 years old, oh, nice. but I did. Yeah, I it was like a thousand years ago, but yeah, it was it was beautiful down there. It was <laughs> nice. A yeah, long I time love ago, being but... in those kind of places, man. It's yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It's just good for the soul. I feel like you know. <laughs> yeah, I love being down there for yeah. sure. Definitely, definitely a special experience. All right, everyone. Again, I want to thank Jack for uh, coming on and talking with us tonight. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And, um, you know, it's nice to get some uh, some hobby input combined with some wild experience. And um, I think that that's an important thing. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, I got some good stuff coming up. Make sure you tune in. I'll catch up with you guys again soon.